Sledge Lords, number one, me and Danny Mullen. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Matt. Excited to be a part of this. I'm excited to have you here, and I'm excited for anything that can help encapsulate the energy that I feel on a Monday morning, which mm -hmm. is that that is something that the fans might not fully understand, but to me is a really big deal. Is like normally when I do my weekly podcast on Tuesday at 6 p.m., the No Jumper Show, it's kind of, you know, I've done a lot of stuff throughout the day. I'm up from like 7 a.m., mm -hmm. so by the time 6 p.m. rolls around, Am I capable of doing a decent podcast? Probably, but mm -hmm. I, I feel like my energy is stronger earlier in the day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Usually mine is too. I'm a morning guy. Yeah. I get up at 6 a.m. I got a little morning routine. You caught me, and I know this is of interest of you, in, of interest to you. We just got back from 24 hours homeless in Oakland. Right. So I'm a little more sludgy right. than I would be at this hour. But I think it's a good idea to try to capture that sharp mind. But are you masquerading as a as a well-put-together human being, but in reality you're actually, like, fucked? Because I remember when I first interviewed you, you were dealing with an extreme hangover. I was. Now, this is more content-based. Obviously, yeah. you wouldn't have been homeless if not for the content. You just keep catching me at degenerate times. <laughs> right. Like, that's what's happening. It, it is a coincidence. I only drink, like, get shit-faced probably once every three months. Once a season. Okay. I respect that. There's, there's at least one good holiday every season. Christmas, blacked out drunk. We should look at St. Patrick's Day, of course. Yeah, we should look at the quarters and decide what the best holiday is for each season. Because mm. I feel like I could drink that much. Mm -hmm. And no more than On that. On the court. I think you'd be a good Yom Kippur guy. <laughs> I think you should start getting blacked out on Jewish Arbor Day. Holidays. Just mm -hmm. pick some pick some holidays that mm -hmm. I have no actual concern about. Indigenous Peoples Day. Drink a lot of rum. <gasps> a lot of rum cocktails. That's true. I got to congratulate you, man, on this new studio, by the way, too. Thank you. I appreciate Badass. that. Hey, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's, it's a real... Like, when you do as much content as I do or as the No Jumper staff as a whole does, it's like the environment that you are doing that content in matters a mm -hmm. lot in our last office to its credit it, it, we got a lot done there it's basically like two rooms of pure just cement mm -hmm. no windows mm -hmm. no light mm -hmm. here we have some exposed light up top adds a little bit of energy to it and like even just being able to do an interview and then go like plop down on a random couch or go sit in my mm -hmm. office or, or whatever. Like there, there are so many little dynamics that are unfolding mm -hmm. here that are kind of surprising. Like the other day we did a podcast in the other room and it was like the first podcast we had done here. And then I just sat in that room on my phone for like 20 minutes and I was like, oh, I could just do this. Wow. And there's no one around. Everybody else went in the other room. I'm like, this place is big enough that you can just sort of have a little nook and yes. just do something. I mean, it's important for your underlings, their productivity. Right. It used to be that when people were trying to cut up a video for Instagram, a gangsta rolled in with a lit yeah. blunt <laughs> yeah. and a fucking 20-person entourage behind them, like in the editing space. Right. Now you got these guys, I mean, head down, 12-hour days, no light, no water breaks. And weird shit like, you know, one of the girls who works here, like, repeatedly kind of had the problem of, like, different rappers trying to holler at her uh, and at least obviously that's just gonna happen sooner or later in one way or another but i hollered at her too no you didn't i don't even know who it was. <laughs> but like when the office just looks like such a fucking flop house uh, it's like i i kind of can't blame people for not being able to tell the difference between the employees and the adult yeah. stars and the rap female rapper whatever and but the it's hanger like, odds and the groupies yeah because it just everything looks so sloppy but now if like that said woman is like working at a computer in an office and somebody hits on her it's like way weirder yeah which hopefully would maybe mean that it would happen less it's it's a deterrent absolutely you have to walk into a cubicle 
to spit right. some game on a hoe. If here you now. can walk into a cubicle and try to like <laughs> basically like finesse vagina or yeah. female energy yeah. in the middle of the day in a cubicle, it's nice. I mean, that's savage. It's like, I mean, I'm picturing Sharp walking into a cubicle right now to spit some game. That's a fish out of water scenario. Well, the Sharp energy when he is in here is pretty fucking hilarious. What's he doing? Smoking cigs, talking to people. He's like, he actually dealt with one of the first like weird things that's going to happen, which is he had a $120 bottle of alcohol and he's just, you know, hanging out. He's got it just like on the counter. And then a rapper came in, did an interview. And at some point, the rapper's entourage apparently drank a lot of the bottle of alcohol. Yeah. And that's that's like a weird one because yeah. it's like, okay, we have this cool new office, but like realistically, the office, the, the alcohol is probably going to get drank if you don't find a place to sort of dip it away, right? Yeah, yeah. So the the feel of no jumper, you can't get rid of that. This place isn't sterile, is what you're saying. There's yeah. still dudes rolling through, drinking other people's booze. Yeah, Chicks are going to get hit on, but it's going to be a little bit better. Also, a step in the right direction, gender-neutral bathrooms. Oh, yeah. See, okay, those signs on the bathrooms said that before we got here, for the record. But then when I thought about it, it's like, well, to make it say male and female would be stupid because, like, on any— Like, if me and you have to pee at the same time— We're crossing swords. No, no. Come we're going to go in different bathrooms. We're sledge lords now. We piss together. That is a good point. We could definitely bang our dongs together. But, like, I mean— <laughs> Like, if there's a male and female bathroom, like, why the fuck would I wait for you to be done when yeah. I could just go into the other room? So gender neutral actually does. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could just take the signs down. We could. I went into both bathrooms. I just had to see. Uh, there were titties in each. There's a neon sign a, a of titties in both titty bathrooms. thing going on in there, yeah. So it's really just, it's like female, female. No urinals either. I think everyone appreciates the female form. If you walked into the female bathroom and there was just a big dick made out of, like, red flash bulbs. I'd like that, too. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd love like to have a cock on the wall. Um, anyway, okay, so this podcast. Okay, we, we noted the morning thing. I think yeah. morning is important. I also think that, like, when I really think about my career, I think that I thought that I could only rap. I, I could only do a podcast about rap and that, as such, I should probably only also do a podcast with black dudes who know about rap. Mm. So this is me kind of, like, challenging myself to be like, okay, I'm going to do a podcast where we don't talk about rap, and I'm going to publicly associate me, myself with a racist white person, That's such me. as yourself. That's me. Yeah. That's actually one thing that Adam made sure of before we did a podcast together. He wanted to make sure I could withstand the gauntlet, mm. the hate from guys like A.D. Sharp about my uh, questionable past. So I plunged you into a live show and basically like allowed them to say whatever they wanted to say to you. And then you survived. They all decided that they fucked with you and thought you were cool. So then I'm like, okay, we're safe. Although it has occurred to me that them liking you does not mean that the Buzzfeed editors of the world will not yes. use your existence against me. But I also have decided I don't give a fuck. Like yeah. nobody, nobody can, you know, like accuse me of being racist because I associate with Dane Mullen. Also, like, I mean, look at my career. I have, like, I have old tweets from 2009 yes. where I said the N word and all this kind of stuff, rapping along the Red Man lyrics, whatever. It's like, if anything, and it, but it also it's so easy when people accuse you of like, oh, like you're racist because you hang out with Dane Mullen. Yeah. 
I'm racist because he's a comedian, and at one point throughout his career, like a couple different times, he's made jokes that you thought were over the line. Yes. Fuck you. Suck my whole ass. Absolutely. This is not how the world works. I'm not going to can't. I, I like you. I genuinely think Danny Mullen's a great guy. I think your content is good, and I think your content's underrated. I mm -hmm. think it should be bigger. I think your podcast should be bigger. I think that like when I look at you, you're like undervalued talent that mm -hmm. i think that we could grow something very big together i appreciate that and also i want to say i'm not racist we right, ingest right. kind of made it sound like i was we made some jokes people are sensitive but you know how it goes too the people who actually hate on us for being quote unquote inappropriate or racist or digging up your old tweets right that is a very small percentage of the audience out there right they're not our fans mm -hmm. they're they're people who are just looking to make themselves feel better you know i read a book by tim ferris and he was talking about how him and some of his buddies like to create words sometimes. Is this the four-hour work week or is it a different book? It was Tribe of Titans or uh, okay. Lessons of Titans. It was one of his new ones. When, when I want to, fun fact, when I want to get motivated to work hard, I listen to Tim Ferriss's podcast because almost all his episodes are him basically like interrogating somebody about their workflow. Yes. And I find that I can get a lot of inspiration yes. from that. And that's one of the reasons I, I really admire you, too, is, uh, I mean, no matter how hungover I am or how hard I'm being pressed on dropping N-bombs, I know you're a really sharp guy. And clearly, I mean, this studio is a result of your intelligence and your drive. So I, I admire that. you in that regard, too. But uh, back to Tim Ferriss, he and some of his buddies, they coined the word bigoteer because they're tired of the same people over and over throwing out accusations that so-and-so is a racist because so-and-so has ideas that are difficult mm. and might touch on some things that are sensitive in society. Right. He pushes that we should start calling these people bigoteers to put shame on people for, for contributing nothing to the planet except for calling people racist and homophobic. Right. No, definitely. I mean, that, that, that's like a personality type at this point. It's yes. like people who have nothing to offer to the world except like trying to put people in the racist or sexist box. And I mean, it's so prevalent that you couldn't watch the, the presidential debates without having to basically see this play out over and over mm -hmm. and over where like wh what was Kamala Harris's trump card against uh, – no pun intended, Trump card against Joe Biden was to say, oh, you supported busing and you you basically yeah. supported some racially insensitive policies or whatever. That was supposed to be her fucking Trump card. I yeah. think that moment, if anything, like throughout my life made me more like calling people racist has jumped the shark because you are so obviously trying to weaponize this accusation yeah. that nobody should take it seriously. And it felt like nobody did. And, well, first of all, Kamala Harris was responsible for my flight being fucking delayed an hour yesterday. She was in L.A., I guess. Air Force Two. That's the vice president's plane, right? I don't know. Uh, she was, I'm sure, getting nothing done. <laughs> but I read an article on this delayed flight because of Kamala Harris about racist lawsuits or lawsuits about workplace discrimination based on racism. The big problem that's surfacing now is Latino managers and factory workers being racist against black people. That huh. is, it is a, a third of all racial workplace suits are Latinos on blacks. Right. Then it's white on blacks, and then it's unspecified. Right. So that just lets you know that everybody is capable of being racist. And just going after whitey for being the 
long-time top-hat-wearing oppressor is not really true anymore. Right. I mean, we really, white people as a whole, had a real monopoly on racism we for did. a long time. You and I were born in the wrong era, Adam. People are blossoming in their societal roles, and they're finding opportunities for them to be racist that they never knew existed. Let's... This is innovation. This is the marketplace of ideas. Can we get a round of applause for the Latinx <laughs> to all people? all the Latinos. The Latinx people out there, keeping the brothers down. <laughs> no, but I mean, but that's the crazy thing is that we've we've been up close and personal over the last couple months with like how intense it can get between hispanic people and black people like that relationship in terms of like let's just narrow it down to the streets of la pretty good terms at this point but everybody always wants to remind me that there has been times throughout la history in which that was not the case mm -hmm. and in which shit was intense between each other mm -hmm. So I, I have now uh, grown to appreciate the uh, the value of that sort of, you know, peace treaty of sorts. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like unsaid peace treaty that, like, people, those two sides tend to be getting along, at least on a street level. But for sure, I mean, as you see people, like, I mean, society is just a hierarchy. And, and people always are going to find opportunities to kind of shit on people that they view as being lower on the totem pole. Yeah. And depending on who cut you off in traffic, how much sleep you had the night before, right. everybody is capable of a flash non-PC thought coming into their mind. Everybody does it, every race. But I like to say that almost everybody I encounter in real life is cool, mm. is kind, and I, I don't see much racism playing out in my real life. Well, sometimes I feel like that, but then I was reading, I, I saw a viral tweet yesterday, 100,000 likes, that was basically about some, some lady saying that her daughter, who was black, was like, playing in a soccer game or some shit like the there was a person in the stands calling her the n-word over and over and over and talking about how the school didn't protect her and everything and i mean it's very hard for me to imagine how that plays out like i feel like every societal situation i've ever been in my life and this goes all the way back to the 90s whatever if you were at like some sort of sporting event and you were to be shouting the n-word at a small child yeah that you you would be beaten with immediately or at the very least kicked out of the event or whatever but i mean i don't really have a strong reason to think this person was lying so apparently this does happen and also i've spent very little time down south and yes in, in la and new york obviously these situations probably are going to play out different i would think yeah i agree that sounds absolutely inconceivable yeah right? and i mean the cynical part of me thinks maybe their goal was a hundred thousand retweets yeah. but that's true we you and i haven't spent a lot of time in mobile alabama lately mm. oh i have been there I haven't. I was like 19. Bob Dylan wrote a song about it. I'm sure it was great. Did he? Mobile. It's, a, it's like a good name for a city. It is nice. Mobile. And you're, like, you're from Sacramento. I'm from fucking Sacramento, as is a lot of your staff. I feel like yeah. it maybe was destined for me to become a part of this operation. And I think I, I interviewed the hottest rapper out of Sacramento, DB Bada Bag, the other day. Oh, dude, him and I better go shoot something together. Oh, for sure. You could spin a block. Well, he's actually not in a gang. He, I'm not interested in that. Because it was said, it's been said... And here I go talking about rap. But uh, it's been said that you can't be a poppin' rapper out of Sacramento unless you're involved in the gang politics. You told me about how hot it is up there as far as gangs. And oh, yeah, it's wild. It's fucking crazy. It's huh? amazing that you've managed to avoid that. It's tough, dude. I'm, proud I, of you. I don't, I'm not going to say I'm not totally unaffiliated. Right. How's your girlfriend? She's doing good. She actually, she's in a gang? She, she made me. She's in. Uh, they they fight primarily with their tits and pussies. Hmm. No, she made me breakfast for this. She was really excited. Really? Yeah. That's exciting. It was exciting. It's it's rare. More things were excited about. Uh, I like the idea of us trying to stick to an hour. 
Okay. I think it's interesting. I okay. think it's fun because I'm so used to doing podcasts that gravitate towards two hours. Yeah. If we don't do two hours on the No Jumper show on Tuesdays, they look at us like we're fucking assholes or like we must be fighting because we ended it early yeah. or something, you know? Mine and your last one was three hours, three plus hours on I Friday know. night. But this is the thing. It's like, okay, if we're going to do three hours, it just becomes like less sustainable you know it's yeah. like it's it's it, and that one was easy because it's like we kind of all had a lot of energy on friday night i hadn't been podcasting the whole week because i was on a trip i get home i knew i'm like i don't have much time to do podcasts but let's get this one out but if you if you're trying to do three hours a week that's a lot and also a lot of times obviously once people start monetizing podcasts they're like okay we're gonna do two episodes per week and we'll put one on patreon if you're doing two hours per episode this all of a sudden starts to look like more of a fucking full-time job. Whereas, I, I don't know, I'm kind of, I feel like doing an hour is very punk. Yeah. Because it's short, it's intense. It's like, you know, you listen to a fucking Ramones song. If it was first 10 minutes course, long, it would sound course, retarded, man. right? Yeah. But instead, it's like, it's long, it's, it's short, it's a burst of energy. Yeah. I'm kind of intrigued by that. Yeah, I know, absolutely. And sometimes when you're doing a two, three-hour podcast, you can get into a guitar solo, mm. quote-unquote, which is everything the Ramones hated. Right. It's noodly, and there's no point, and we're super in the weeds. This forces us to stick to maybe our best ideas. Yeah. And then go back into the course, baby. Right. And, well, how do you feel about this? Let's say we did an hour and a half. And just by accident, we ended up doing an hour and a half. I mean... We don't have to, but we could look at it after the fact and say, okay, here's 20 minutes of shit that I don't think needs to be in here. A lot of people do edit their podcasts after the fact, or they have people who edit them for them, which is hard for me to wrap my head around. But I want, if we did an hour and a half, I wonder if we should drop it unedited or if we should con consider consolidating that episode. I don't know. It's weird because I do both. I mean, I have my YouTube videos, which I cut relentlessly. Right. The vlogs, and that's a huge... Oh, the vlogs. That's yes, a yes. huge part of my final product. I right. mean, that's what makes them good. If you just filmed for 30 minutes straight, it would be the worst vlog ever. It would make no sense. I like to think it would still be in the top quartile of vlogs. Maybe even <laughs> well, top okay. 10%. But in terms of your content, it's like cutting it up and adding shit. Like yes. That's the whole concept of it. And that's why it kind of pisses me off sometimes that I know a lot of people who get into making content and they just do live streams. And it's like, yeah, if you want to get fans, a tightly edited like 10 minute vlog that that really like keeps people hooked yes. not to mention a 60 second tiktok that has the same attributes yes. that consolidates the content into a short period of time i feel like that if you want to grow yes that's the move yes and it's it's not hack or it doesn't mean i used to think that all of my comedic heroes were capable of doing a one take one hour vlog live show whatever and it'd be amazing right but since i'm reading a book right now about uh, partially about groucho marx okay and groucho marx did and you know groucho the fucking cigars the glasses the nose right fucking comedy legend right he would do a, a live game show and if his quips his one-liners his comments to the audience were brilliant and everybody thought it was an unedited 30 minutes well, they were shooting two and a half hours, mm. and it was all chopped out. Right. That's how I view my YouTube blogs. Make it into this thing that's as close to perfect as possible. Right. But on podcasts, I feel like if you're going back through a podcast and editing it, that's so time-consuming, especially for a guy like you. Oh, I'm not doing it for sure, yeah. Fuck no. But then, that's why I don't think we'll end up doing it, because I don't— like. If there is going to be 15 minutes that we cut out of a podcast, I am going to need to be the one kind of making the call on if I approve of it or not. And then at the same time, like, I'm not going to be spending my fucking time laboring over this. It's going to have to be somebody on the team making the call. And I don't think anybody on the team is going to actually make that call. Like, oh, this part of the conversation sucks. And that's not punk rock if we were to like, yeah. be able to cut it. No. 
It's tough. It's not raw enough. Do you have a problem with that? Having people under you cut things? I know it's tough for me to let go and trust other people's takes. I still write on... every single title and like on my interviews, the weekly shows, and everybody else's interviews. Have you gotten better though? Have you let go of certain duties? Everything besides that, basically. I basically like do content and then, you know, try to have a role administratively in terms of like, you know, bringing talent on or like, a, you know, working, watching other people's podcasts, coming up with opinions about they should do this, they should do that. And then like the titles and stuff. But I mean, everything else is pretty much out of my hands. And the reason you're so particular about titles is because, and I know this too from YouTubing, your title and your thumbnail mm -hmm. is more important than the content. Oh yeah. Especially short term. I mean, long term, if your titles and thumbnails are garbage, but the content is great, right. there's still a career for you on YouTube. People will come, but it's not going to be as big as it should be. I mean, I, I could see myself having somebody help me write titles, but in terms of uh, like actually finalizing the titles, I still am going to need to have that kind of involvement of like really giving my last minute thoughts because i mean a title is the difference between getting a million views and you know fifty thousand views mm -hmm. and that is such a gigantic difference that i could never just let go and let somebody else be writing the titles because i'm going to see within day one i'm going to see a title yeah. and be like no you're, yeah. you're supposed to capitalize this word yeah. and, the, and, and same thing with the thumbnails like you know, one of my guys did a, a podcast the other day and they fucking interviewed this one dude and then they put him and his two friends in the thumbnail. And so then I'm hitting up the editor in the middle of the fucking day on a Saturday to be like, you can't have all three of them in the thumbnail. Yeah. It looks crazy. Yeah, like yeah. the title said an interview with one person and then there's three people in the thumbnail and they're like, oh, well, that, like somebody asked to have all of them in the thumbnail. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. It looks crazy. You can't have three people yeah. in the fucking thumbnail and then one person in the title and it's just you know yeah. little things like that like yeah. i would love to get to the point where i felt like i had somebody i could completely trust with all that but i i still don't think yeah. i would be able to get to the point where i wasn't doing a review of everything they did yes and who's to say if that title or that thumbnail rather would have actually bombed because there are three people in it but for you it feels like a huge deal and right. that attitude is what got you to where you are now one thing you said that was really interesting though is that was a saturday when you were putting out the emergency call change this right the right. fuck now does it work flow into your your designated time off and does that end up fucking you over because that happens to me a lot too i take sundays yeah. off every week i try to like really have that separation but at the same time it's like i need to make my job part of my life even you know, like saturday me and my my girl we wake up we hang out with the kid we eat breakfast till like 11 then we take off to malibu we go to the beach um so you know we're on the beach for like six seven hours throughout the course of the day and you know at one point it just sort of like struck me like I have 11 interviews to do next week yeah. and I am not ready for any of them. Yeah. So I literally like grab my phone and I'm just like researching this one rapper and like putting together questions while I'm and my girl uh, my girl doesn't know this is what I'm doing. It yeah. looks like I'm just texting somebody or whatever and and I fucking put together like 15 things to 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 review and I'm thinking in my head I'm like I still need to listen to their new album or I need to like do this if I want to really research them but that like alleviated the pressure on me a little bit like yeah. honestly that i spent this whole fucking weekend researching for my interviews this week with me uh no not researching for you but i was i was like just looking up all these people i have to interview this week all weekend and like you know spending like three four hours at night on saturday and sunday doing this because i just like and i could have somebody do the research for me yeah but I would hate it. I would. I, yeah. I don't want to let go of that. I think that's how, that's how Stern used to function. Stern would have a couple of like laminated sheets come in on Monday yeah. morning with all the bullet points of somebody who read the guest's book mm -hmm. and pulled out the most drama 
E stuff out of them. Right. Because if you, like, let's say you're Howard Stern, you're interviewing fucking 20 people in a week. It's yeah. like, well, how are you going to, you're not reading 20 books in yeah. a week. Maybe they all have books. Maybe a couple of them have books. How long does it take you to read a book? It's like, if you could read two books in a week, you're like a prolific reader, yeah, right? Like that's that's, that, that's a shitload. I yeah. don't know anybody who reads that much, and so it's like, yeah. At a certain point, you're gonna have to do that. But this is the difference with me is I feel like my interviews are about like I I am presenting myself as if I actually really know about this subculture. Yeah. When Howard Stern does an interview, realistically, if Howard Stern were to interview you tomorrow, he would be like, so. You make these uh, little YouTube videos. Yeah, so, like, yeah. I watched one of them. It yeah. was okay. Like, yeah. he, he goes with, like, the dummy role, yeah. which is because it's easier and yeah. it's realistic. For me, it's like, if I'm going to interview you for the first time, it's like, no, I'm going to watch, like, 20 of your fucking videos. Yeah. And, and I'm going to really did. get into it because I want to I wanna do an interview your fans are going to like. Yeah, which you did. I mean, it was great, the interview. I, I feel like... The, the first interview we did was really successful. It's got like 1.4 million views. Saw that, yeah. People tell me all the time they love it. I mean, people were telling me, we were just up in Berkeley, Oakland area, so many people coming up to me about that original interview right. that I did so hungover I could barely open my eyes. <laughs> right. And I think most of that credit falls on you for having done your research. But if you're excited and you got your adrenaline pumping, something like being hungover doesn't matter that much, right? None of it matters, dude. Yeah. Like, I... Um, I mean, that's a lot of books I've read. That's been a, me a message that's reiterated over and over. Right. I didn't believe it until we had to go film at the Groundhog's Day Festival this February. Punxsutawney Phil. Exactly. The real Punxsutawney Groundhog's Festival from the movie with Bill Murray. Which was where? Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Right, Which right, is, right. it's in Amish country outside of Pittsburgh. I've seen that movie more than almost any movie in my entire life. Great movie. It was on TV like every day. I mean, it's it's like... One of those preserved movies, like the National Registry preserved it because of how good it is and how historically significant. And it's a movie that makes you really think about your own life. Like this, like, damn, the scenario that's occurring to him in this movie yes. is kind of like life in general. Yes. Unless you proactively yes. take steps to make your life more interesting or progress your life. Or you make know? yourself better. Like, yeah. I mean, how many times have you and I been in such, uh, all we're worrying about is our next interview or our next video. Right. You walk out the door without kissing your girlfriend or wife goodbye. Mm. You tell somebody at your office to fuck off. They didn't do a good enough job. Instead of showing them slowly and patiently how to do a better job. That's what that movie touches on. But our story filming there, we... I think we took a red eye out. No, not a red eye. We flew out at like 3 p.m. from California, get into, Pen into Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at 6 p.m., drive to our hotel, sleep for 30 minutes, and then drive on a windy midnight icy road to this little gathering of drunken inbred rodent enthusiasts in the middle of the fucking woods. Drunken inbred? Probably. That doesn't come across in the movie. It's different in real life. Okay. They cleaned it up for Hollywood. Yeah, they do that's that. What, a lot. That's what I assumed. They yeah. make people, you know, like the, the Winklevoss twins, Facebook. <laughs> right. Those guys are way hotter in the movie. So we go that's there, true, yeah. and I'm on 30 minutes of sleep, and I got to film a full fucking vlog. And right. it's, it's one of my favorite videos ever. And that's just a testament to if you want to get something done, you can get it done if you believe in yourself. 100%. And I used to, I, I remember not believing myself at a certain point in that regard early in my life. Like I had a friend who, if we had a meeting at nine in the morning, we, he would be happy to stay out clubbing and drinking until four in the morning. Yeah. Like to him, if we got, you know, three, four hours of sleep and then you're hungover and you're puking before the fucking the, the meeting or whatever. So what? Who cares? Let's yeah. just fucking do it anyway, which I I didn't know that I was capable of that. And then I figured out like, oh, I can do this. I can burn the candle on both ends. But then at certain points in my life, I've taken it like way too far where yes. you're sleeping like two, three hours a night for like a week a week straight yeah 
you could do that short term, but it will always build up long term. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then also, I mean, it, it matters what your attitude is toward doing that. Right. For me, if I'm hungover and I know I was irresponsible chasing pussy the night before something important, right. my mentality is going to be like, you fucked up. You didn't earn doing well today because you were being irresponsible. Right. Therefore, you're not going to do well today. Right. So what you believe you deserve and are going to do, that matters a lot also. Yeah. And that's why I only drink on Yom Kippur. Right. No, no. When I When it comes to like doing this i just at this point in my life if i I feel like if i want to be truly prolific i need to like basically make everything else in my life in order so that i like for me writing the captions or writing the titles for all the youtube videos and shit i need to do that before i can come do this because i need to know that everything else in my life is essentially taken care of yes if i have like a mountainous email inbox with like 50 fucking videos that i have to write titles for i'm just not gonna be able to sit here and be comfortable you know that's why i like kind of work too hard is because i just fucking need to have that sort of comfort in my brain yeah and and as the guy with uh one one thousandth of your net worth and about uh, one (sighs) one thousandth of your subscriber count i am worried that you're working a little too hard on the weekends Nah. I, I feel like for me, I used to be really stressed out on Sundays, my one day off. Dude, I, I just took I could two never days. Enjoy them. I just took two days to do almost nothing with just my kid, and then my my leisure time at night, I'm getting ready for interviews and watching shit and smoking weed and playing poker on my computer or whatever. But I I feel like I have the balance down really hard because I will have like Monday through Friday insanely intense hard working, and then Saturday Sunday like nothing, and I almost never do anything on Saturdays and Sundays, even when I have actual like good opportunities for like social things that I should be doing and everything. I just usually say no. So your research on the beach in Malibu was an outlier. That was me, like literally, like it, it felt like I was stealing. Like I was shoplifting. Like I was, I was, I was pilfering yeah. time right in front of my girl. Yeah, she yeah. didn't know that I was doing it's it. Like jerking off in the next room. She will find out from this interview if she ends up seeing it. But yeah, yeah, it's like jerking off in the next room, which is tough because I, I, my girlfriend and I live together now. Right, and it's I, I've never had so much thought put into my jerk off schedule. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. And I, I know what you said recently was that you feel like jerking off is this degenerate thing. Yeah. Like pa- like smoking a pack of cigarettes. Right. I can relate to that now because when I jerk off in the mornings, which, I mean, it is just like smoking a cigarette. It is a great boost to your workflow. I right. mean, if I jerk off two hours into an editing session, I'm fresh and ready for two more hours. Right. That's- it clears you up because then there's this, this huge percentage of things you could be thinking about and you're on your computer you could be looking at porn there's infinite porn out there you just you beat off all of a sudden you lose interest in that and it allows you to focus on the other things that you are doing bam and it's a physical thing too it's like it gets your heart rate up it gets you in a different psychological state it's like a cup of coffee to me but then when my girl starts nuzzling up on me you know puts a hand on her titty at 8 p.m I'm going to be less confident in my ability to shoot a fat load, which is important to me, Adam. See, that's the other thing that comes into it with me is like, okay, yesterday my kid goes down for the nap at like noon or whatever, and my girl comes over and basically starts molesting me. She wants to fuck. I didn't know that this was going to happen. I hadn't jerked off for fucking three days before this, bro. We start fucking. I I gave her like a good solid like two minutes. Like, you know, it's trash. Like, I'm fucking, I'm built up. You cannot... Provide like guys who can work well under that pressure of having like three days worth of nut built up. Yeah, I can't do it. I got to be on a relatively fresh tank. I like to be, have jerked off, you know, a couple hours or even even like eight hours beforehand. Then I can give you a good dick and down. Not not you, but her. You know, um, yeah. 
it's hard to see where you're looking with those sunglasses on, but I felt like you were making eye contact with me. I don't know what it is, dude. For me, I can always get hard regardless if I've jerked off not once the past week or if I've jerked off five times that day. Right. But sometimes I have trouble climaxing. Really? Yeah, and it's it used to never be the case, and I'm, I'm starting to get a little concerned. See, I'm kind of like that now where I can fuck my girl and then fuck my girl again like almost immediately after, but in order to nut, that that is crossing the finish line it's a little a little tougher usually I'll, i need a little bit more of a refractory period even if it's like a half hour or an hour so you could fuck your girl come and then wait an hour and fuck her and come again yes no problem on plug talk set a lot of times we'll have like three girls back to back and back to back i'll still have like an hour and a half in between each one but that has really taught me a lot i've, I've learned so much about my own personal dick and ability to nut from the plug talk thing and, and doing it as a job and going into work for the day and knowing that this is what I'm doing today. Yeah, I think something interesting that you mentioned, the uh, the three girls, too. I think that your dick is always going to work better when there's new women around. Oh, yeah, because course, your yeah. body knows that this is fresh real estate that you could possibly impregnate, and therefore your penis is going to be on his best behavior. Yeah, I mean, my girl would probably not be terribly happy to hear that. Like, of course, <laughs> fucking the same girl three times versus fucking having th three threesomes in a row yes. with different girls each time. It's like your brain is just going to perk up and be like, oh, yeah. okay, we got to get to work. Like, yeah. it's a different girl here. Yeah, I mean, for sure. But but also, me and my girl, we definitely have days where fuck three four times in a day but it's also days where we have nothing going on sure laying sure. in bed all day then you can get sure. into that yeah yeah and it's it's not even your brain so it's not even something that i mean i'm sure women both of our girlfriends would not love to hear this it's not even our brains that make us like it more easy to ejaculate mm. it's that reptilian part of your like skeleton or whatever your fucking prostate i'm not a, a reproductive right. scientist here but it just knows that Hey, you've been having steady sex with one woman for three months. Right. Here's a new one. She might be ovulating. We need to deploy all units. That's a good point. And it's proven that your your loads contain more sperm when you're coming with a new girl or you're having sex with your woman for the first time in a while. And see, that's why I think if you get caught cheating, you should just immediately be able to bring up biology and basically be like, look, like I'm hardwired to think this way. Yeah. It's not my fault. Yeah, yeah. If your girl accuses you of something, just flash her your cock and point at it. Yeah. What do you want me to do, baby? Do you think I'm in control of this? I'm not no. in control at all. This thing controls me. Yeah, it fucking <laughs> absolutely does. It's true, though, dude. Like, if you, um, like if your girlfriend's out of town, too, you'll shoot a, a fatter load, and your right. load will have more sperm in it. Right. Because there's a potential. This isn't speaking to you and our, mine and your relationships personally. But if anybody's girlfriend is out of their sight for a sustained period of time, the likelihood that she cheated went up, and therefore your body wants to deploy more cum and more sperm to engage in sperm warfare and overtake the jizz that might be lurking in the vagina right now. Right, but so, is there a part of you where if if you knew that a guy had just jizzed inside your girl that you would want to then also jizz inside her so that your <laughs> sperm could compete against the other guy's sperm like a fucking game of Mortal Kombat in there? I'm a competitive guy, dude. Yeah. I wonder how much of an advantage the first mover gets in that scenario because I would think it would be huge. Like, I would I would think it's significant, Your too. cum is going to be like behind the other cum, right? Yeah, and I mean, I know it could live in there for a couple of days, but that first shot at the hole, right. I mean, it's basically basketball when you think about it, reproduction. What, what where do you jerk off now that you live with your girl like what have you learned the about the side yard 
The side, what, what is the side just, guard? Uh, I'm over, hunched over like a goblin jerking off behind a dumpster. He's no. caught side. <laughs> <laughs> Having been to your house, that's pretty fucking funny. I got a new, I moved. Oh, you got, I got a new, new spot. Place. Okay, so. Perfect side yard for jerking off, dude. Okay. It's, I might actually steal your neon sign in the bathroom to S- masturbate to see, out there. You, you should definitely do that. And that's actually a great, those bathrooms, if you wanted to jerk off. I will, Because yeah. when you turn on the light, the fan comes on automatically. It's super loud. Yeah. I, I'm watching a YouTube video on the toilet. I almost can't hear it. I need to like hold it up to my ear to hear it. Yeah. If you were to jerk off, nobody's gonna fucking know. It's beautiful. I'm gonna definitely incorporate your bathrooms into my schedule. I'm also mm. thinking that soundproof booth you have in the back, the which is supposed to be for rapping. It's not for rapping anymore. <laughs> no. Okay. It's for masturbating for, <laughs> for me. Wrapping your dick in saran wrap. <laughs> Where I jerk off is my. I have an office in my new apartment. My girlfriend and I share. Okay. And I, I again, I'm pretty disciplined when she's around. When I sense that we're probably gonna have sex that night, our schedule. Align. I'm not jerking off, but sometimes I can't help myself. And thank God the door has a lock. Yeah. And I put on um, maybe the Tim Ferriss podcast. Right. You know, have him talking to Ramit <laughs> Sethi about how to improve your 401k. Right. Have that play. And it's a little distracting to jerk off to an Indian guy talking about uh, uh, the S&P 500, but I can still do it. I can still do it. I like that idea, though. Just like, I mean, thinking about you jerking off to like financial advice makes me feel kind of guilty about how not adventurous I am with my jerking off. I've been jerking off to like hot porn star chicks sucking dick and getting banged out my whole life. There's more out there. That's why your studio is not in Beverly Hills, dude. You've been jerking Mm. off to the wrong material. You're wasting your time. That also is like, I mean, it's a joke. I don't actually jerk off to his voice, but. That really encapsulate what this encapsulates what this podcast is. Two fucking white guys Wait, you're talking serious? about jerking off to financial advice. You, you really will have a podcast playing while you're jerking off. Do you think I'm just bullshitting? But here? what what does that do? Like, what you want to like fill your brain with financial discussions? Uh, absolutely, I don't rest. I have Ray Dalio playing while I'm sleeping. I, you know what I do now that I have the Jack Shack, my back house is that if I am. Oh, you jer- have a Jack Shack. I have like a little back house where I stream and everything like that, and it's she works. It's like her office too, uh-huh. but she's not back there as much as me. So the when, Jack Shack. when I am back there in the Jack Shack, I can like I have a big ass computer monitor, nice. so I can have three, two, two different porn scenes going at the same time, maybe three. That to me does a lot because porn is so boring that. There's usually like usually you're not that excited about what you're seeing. Uh-huh. Like you see the penis enter the vagina. Okay, uh-huh. that's cool. Then they're banging her for ten minutes. I don't really care that much. It's really about like just seeing the one angle. So if you have two or three going at the same time, yeah, I've really learned to like treat jerking off like more of like self love. It's great. It for it was just personal maintenance for like my whole life, and now as I get more into the porn world, it I just like appreciate it more. Like oh, if I have five minutes that I can jerk off, it's like that's me taking care of myself. That's yeah. me. Making sure that my mental state yes. is okay for the yes. rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to ask you because, I mean, on Plug Talk, you're banging the hottest, most A-list porn stars that exist. The girls that I jerk off to hunched over with Ramit Sethi playing. Wow. Who are you jerking off to when you jerk off if you fucked the top of the business? <sighs> I don't know. That's a good question, honestly. Or maybe not who do you jerk off to, but what are you searching? And you don't have to get too specific here. I know that's a very personal question. No, but for me, it's always, like, specific. It's either girls we've hooked up with before or girls that, like, we I know that we're going to hook up with pretty much. Yeah. Like, it's it's – I'm not, like – I don't know. The more I get in the game, the more that, like, some German chick that is hot, but I'm never going to meet her in my life. Yeah. I'm just, like, not as interested, I guess. Uh, you know? I get it. Yeah. It's like um, everybody has – 
people that are in your social circle or in your world are hotter. Like a chick you've like met in passing or know from work. Right. Like most guys are jerking off to chicks they work a couple cubicles down for. Yeah. From. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for me, it helps if there's a connection to reality. If I met a girl at a yeah. party one time, like a porn star, and yeah. I, I that would work for me. Yes. I could definitely give her five minutes in the jack shark. Yeah, absolutely. In the jack. That's an honor for you. Yeah. But at the, at the same time for me, though, a chick who's just such a fucking bimbo mess right. that I know I would never be caught dead even in public with her. Sometimes there's a sick pleasure I get jerking off to her oh, yeah. just as like uh, like getting that demonic part of my being out. Yeah. But OK, let me give you another example. We had this girl on here the other day whose name is Demon Girl, and she uh, basically has like her eyeballs tattooed. So they're completely black. She has a huge butterfly upside down on her forehead. You seen her? I've seen her. Fork tongue. Yeah. She's got the snake tongue. Going she got on. that done 30 days ago. And she said that whatever. But like, me, you know, me and Sharp interviewed her the other day. She's fucked 500, 600 guys. Nice. Um, She's talking about basically how she's had like she didn't say that she's been like molested and raped at a young age, but like when you're hearing her talk about like fucking grown men at like eleven or twelve or she's like sixteen and she has like a twenty eight year old boyfriend and he's doing fucked up shit to her and stuff. I mean, does that is it fair to say that takes away some of the attractiveness? If I was going to be begging her, that would be playing in my head. It's yeah. like. I, I feel empathy for you. I know you didn't have an easy life. It's yes. hard for me to just look at you and just think of you as a purely sexual being. Yes. it's You feel like you're taking advantage of her almost. Yeah. Like she doesn't or, need a cock. She needs a social worker. I mean, it's a good feeling to know that you're banging a girl and she's enjoying banging you. And yes. It's, it's kind of a bad feeling to be banging a girl and know that she's like dealing with her internalized trauma. and that. yeah. That's why I'm like asking her in the interview. I'm like... So do you actually like sex? You know, it feels like an important question with her because it's like you fucked all these guys, but also you're kind. And she even said she's like, no guy has made me come. I'm like, well, uh, that me, that pushes uh, me even further in the direction of thinking that you've got a lot going on upstairs. Absolutely. Like if you asked a heroin addict on the street, do you enjoy heroin? Right. He probably doesn't. It like, is purely a means of not being sick. Like the, the, the phase of my life where I was popping Zans and shit. That's my favorite you, by the way. I miss it. Doing that, we should we should do an episode with that. We should uh, do an episode all Zand out. One. You, when's the last time you did one? I've never done a Xanax. Oh, you're gonna be fucked. <laughs> um, but okay, doing Zans, and I was doing it with other people who I didn't really see as like Xanax addicts. But if I had done it with someone who was like bad, I'm sure I wouldn't have really enjoyed it as much, right? Yeah. Like you want to do drugs with other people that are at your level of drug addiction, not yeah. way worse. Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. I have another uh, thing I want to discuss. Have you ever met Bobby Lee in real life? No. I uh, Bobby Lee, the comedian. Yes. No, I'm familiar with him, though. I'm familiar with his beef he's had going on with Brennan Schaub, all that stuff. Very true. But, okay, so I, I've, I've been kind of paying attention to him a little bit more because he's going through this breakup, right? Interesting. I know what you're talking about. I know the specifics. There was one video that blew my fucking mind where he was basically like talking about like why his relationship with the Kalila, right? Yes. Why that didn't work out and what kind of person he is and what he's looking for in a relationship and everything like that. And he's basically like describing a scenario in which he's barely leaving the house. He hasn't, he, he said at one point, I believe that he had sex with her like two or three times in the course of three years. Yeah. And he's just chilling on his computer jerking off. Yes. And I'm just like, how like what woman would be able to tolerate this yes like clearly you have a functioning penis 
but you're not interested in sleeping with your your wife or yes. your, your girlfriend. Who's hot, by the way. Who, who seems pretty hot, and, right? And Bobby Lee is a guy who admit, I'm sure, that he is unattractive physically. Right. Great comedian. A great, great comedian. And he seems like a great guy, but he is way beneath his woman's league. Yeah. And he got into that porn addiction that we sort of talked about. You got to maintain that fine line where, right. where porn watching in your Jack Shack or in my side yard isn't standing in for your real sex life. Right. And it seems like that was the issue with him. See, my brain is tuned to my girl's feelings enough that, you know, if we are having sex in a normal fashion, then I can acknowledge like, oh, I just jerked off. Yeah. But if we are not really like sleeping together, maybe she's sick, maybe like whatever, like she's not feeling too good Work for a week or two, whatever. I'm not going to just be like, yeah, I was just beating off in the backyard <laughs> because it's like... I don't know. It's like I don't want to like bring that to her attention or whatever. But like the mental image of him just jerking off over and over and over and his hot yeah. girl marching around the crib, just like seeing this, knowing this is happening, yeah. not being approached sexually by him. I was I was blown away because that scenario seems like so many things would go wrong before. Like that is just so clearly grounds for dismissal if you're the girl. And I'm yeah. not trying to like cast judgment on him or anything. I'm just bringing it up because I was so fascinated by the fact that this is a real scenario that he was living in. Really, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's. I mean, it's crazy what women will tolerate versus men. I mean, mm. like we uh, the guys like to talk about dirty cheating whores, but they're a lot more faithful and a lot more loyal than we are in most cases. I would say, yeah, her sticking around. But yeah, I heard she eventually broke and was going to Hawaii with some dude. Right. She had a a fling with another guy, consensual. Bobby Lee consented to it because he was uh. like, I, I got X hamster, I got uges, I'm good. Enjoy Honolulu. Baby. So he uh, he authorized that. I believe so. Wow. I believe so. I'm not the authority on this, but that's even worse. What you were saying was like, come on, dude, how could you not self-diagnose that there's a problem here? Right. But to understand there's a problem to the point where she's leaving to an island with a dude. And I should stop doing this. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> I got to be careful. We need somebody in here for diversity before yeah, I start doing that. Okay. But uh, for him to be like, yeah, that's cool. Like that That's a real dark point in the relationship. Right. And I guess it, it finally, that was before they broke up that he yeah. was talking about Listen, that. Listen, if I haven't banged my girl in a year and you want to cheat on me, I, I, I feel like that's not, even, that's not even cheating. That's like, I'm not doing my part of the relationship. Yeah. Like maybe... You know, I'm I'm clearly if I'm not dicking you down, then I'm gonna have to like just turn the other cheek and just allow this to happen. Like that that seems like that's a bridge too far. Like that if like, but all right, there's a good question though. If your girlfriend got like terminal cancer for like the next couple years, like do you think that you'd be able to like hold her down and not go fuck around? It'd be easier to hold her down or body strength. Be completely sad. (laughs) Not fuck around. No, 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 no. Let's, let's make it even less personal. You get terminally sick. You're fucked up. You're in bed for two, three years, but you know somehow, you know that at the end of the three years, you're going to be fine. Do you not at some point say, hey, like, yeah, I mean, I guess like if I'm trapped in this bed withering away for three years, maybe you can go do your thing. Or do you expect that sort of sexual commitment to be that strong? I wouldn't expect it. I would expect her to go do her own thing, yeah. especially her, because my girlfriend's younger than me by, um, and I, I know Lena's younger than you, but for like my girlfriend's 22, right. which I feel like is the behavior women exhibited that I mean, she wants to be going out and meeting people and having a social life. And I'm 32. Yeah. So I'm more career oriented at this time, especially for her. If I have cancer, if I can't get my dick hard, I would give her a three year vacation. Really? And, uh, I mean, hopefully I like to think I'm pretty resilient. Do you have any rules though? No gangbangs. No anal. No, no anal. That's one place Save I draw the line. Save that for me. Or maybe only anal. Mm. Is only is that somehow less intimate, Adam? 
I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of like a hot idea to me, that like your girlfriend just being given an anal pass while you're dying. Uh, <laughs> like I don't know, there's something kind of hot about that. It, like I, I know a girl who says that she does 95% anal. I like that. I've always wanted to meet a girl like that, and maybe, you know, I the first time I hooked up with my girlfriend, we went straight to anal. Really? Yeah. Oh, you're a sick fuck. How the heck? Why? Why? How did that happen? I guess I I was less mentally well, I think, in that point of my life. I was really stressed out, which is why I had... Stressed out. I, <laughs> the best kind. I was very tense, and, and hopefully she wasn't, though, because I would have heard more. Right. But that's why I get very curious when you're talking about doing research on a beach in Malibu because I used to be like that too where I couldn't even enjoy my days off my vacation time and I actually first had sex with my girlfriend when I was on a two-week vacation from YouTube and back then I think my content was way worse my personal life was way worse my romantic life was way worse because I tried to work the seven-day-a-week work schedules and I remember the first time we met I was hammered drunk as mm. was she I was popping Vicodin and when we had sex, I just wanted to make it the most degenerate, most like home base plus some style hookup. Uh -huh. And then I remember after we fucked like three times, two times anal, I remember just laying in the bed, listening to the White Album by the Beatles, still drinking a beer, still trying to get more fucked up, just being like, this is my one week off. This is my two week vacation. I just I need to just feel nothing right now. Adam in his late 20s really resonates with what you're talking about there. Like that fucking mentality of like it's almost like getting pussy or asshole in this case is like <laughs> is like a manifestation of your desire to get more fucked up. Yes. You know, because when you're mixing pills and alcohol, too, especially yeah. then you're really launching yourself into a different realm mentally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's dangerous, too. I remember going to the bar once with an alcoholic who had just fallen off the wagon recently. Right. And I remember watching him at the bar, and it was as if gravity was at work between him and the bar. Mm. I would see him keep circling back in secret to load up on more and more beers. He would get two or three at a time, chug two, and then come back to the group with one in his hand. Right. And I felt like I had that addict's mentality at that point in my life where, mm. yeah, Vicodin, give him to me. Uh, another shot at tequila? Sure. Anal sex? Let's do it. Oh, I love all those things. Pills, anal. This is the start of a beautiful relationship, my friend. I don't really like alcohol, though. I only liked alcohol because it made the pills stronger. Yeah, and I, I, get, I like my weakness is, I guess, uppers. Adderall. Oh, yeah. And it's not really a problem for me. Again, I only do Adderall, like, I've done Adderall maybe twice this year. Okay. And just only for party weekends. But I go to bed so early, I kind of need it. But the alcohol is to make me be comfortable making poor choices, and yeah. the Adderall is to keep me up until 4 a.m. Yeah, like, okay, when we were in Brooklyn uh, a couple weeks ago, like, the dudes were doing laundry in the Airbnb building that we were staying in, and they found an Adderall, and they actually, like, <laughs> like, like did a little research online to make sure that they believed that it was real. Not fentanyl laced. And I'm just staring at it like, I could never. Like, I can't even imagine what my fucking body would feel like if I put that into myself at this point in my life where I'm so used to not being on that kind of shit. Uh -huh. But... I'm not going to lie. It was tempting. I mean, we used to go to the bar and just fucking take big-ass orange Adderalls and just smash them up and snort that shit. And it's not, like, the best material to snort. Or when you're fucked up, you know, and you're, you're smashing up a pill to snort it and you don't smash it up enough, 
And then at some point in the night, you look in the mirror and you see like a big orange <laughs> chunk hanging from your fucking nose hair. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking to a girl for fucking 10 minutes out there. Eyes the size of silver dollars, fucking yes. powder around the rim of your nose. And looking back on that, you're like, wow, I tried to holler at so many girls that if they had consented, it would have they would have had to be insane. Like I was yeah. so like if you're on coke hollering at a girl and she's not on coke. 99% chance she is thinking in her head, what the fuck is wrong with this uh -huh. guy? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I guess um, we don't really have an objective measure on how attractive or unattractive we are, though. Like, mm. there have been times when I have hooked up with girls without having showered for three days, mm. wearing the goofiest pair of sunglasses. My, I, like, I've just got up from sleeping. My hair is a fucking mess or whatever. And people find you attractive. And then there are other, and maybe because it was just because I was confident. But then there are other times when I go out and try to talk to women. This happens now. Right. Like, I am in a position in my life where I guess, like, as far as career, things have never been better. Hmm. And I have money, which I never had ever. But when I go out and talk to girls, it's just because I've been in a relationship for so long, I feel so unattractive really i feel like i can't string together a sentence i look in the mirror and i see a lizard or like a fucking half man half seagull that's how you feel now yes sometimes why did, what, what happened that, that flipped that switch it made you feel like that i i think it's just talking to women is in in dating is a muscle just like bench press and pectorals are a muscle or just like bmx or skating is a skill you work on or right. podcasting it's it's atrophied for me i feel that way sometimes when i i imagine what it would be like to hit on a girl and it's like that part of my brain so doesn't work anymore yeah. and like we film these scenes where we fucking with these girls and like sometimes we'll be banging and the girl will lock eyes with me and like or even grab my fucking face and kiss me and shit and it feels intimate and it yeah. feels fucking weird yeah. because i have not been in that position yeah never mind of like you know when you meet a girl and you're talking to her and you're like a regular human being conversation, but then there's like you kind of just take it a step further and you yeah. like, you know, all of a sudden you're flirting with yeah. her. It's like that part of me, like I'm so out of practice with taking it to that level. So yeah. I meet countless like hot chicks and I never take it to that level. And, yeah. I, and I always think about because there was a, a short period of time before I got a relationship in the beginning of No Jumper where I interviewed a couple of porn stars and then just like hooked up with them yeah. after. And it's fucking great. And it's like when I look back at it, too, it's like, oh, I'm glad you got in a relationship early on because you would have been fucking slutting that move out yeah. so bad. You would have been banging. You would have been interviewing chicks just to fuck them yeah. or whatever. Like, I know myself. I'm fucking out of control. Yeah. It would have been bad. Yeah, yeah. I know that you and I both kind of found success later on. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in such total agreement with you. I mean, if I had any success at age 21 right. it would have been gone in a snap just because i would have blown the money i would have been a dick to the people around me right. nobody would have wanted to work with me to date me and uh, i mean i'm sure i would have gotten fucking canceled viciously we were talking about that the other day like the the example of if you when you were 21 if somebody gave you half a million dollars what would you have done with it and how long would it have taken you to fuck it up? Because yeah. I mean, I, 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 part of me wonders, would I have been so scared of fucking it up that I wouldn't fuck it up or would I, I just fucked it up? Oh, I guess it depends how you got it. I think it's even more dangerous if you would earned that 500 no, grand. You didn't earn it. You like Somebody inherited it. You. Your fucking aunt dies. 
I, I think maybe for me, at least my ego was so big at that point in time that I would have thought I would be inheriting my next 500 grand a couple months from now. Somehow I would have continued to make more money. And therefore, there was no need to worry about blowing it. Let's right. grab the Lexus. Let's start renting the $15,000 a month condo. Right. I think that would have been my attitude. Yeah, definitely. I could see myself just going off the deep end. Like, just starting businesses that I had no business. That's what I would have done. I wouldn't have, like, wasted partying. I would have, like, started a fucking pizza shop and then fucked it up. Yeah. Or, or something like Some shady-ass investment. You would have started fucking buying crypto punks. Ugh. Started just shady-ass investments. Yet you see it, dude. A lot of... You see a lot of these young YouTubers or rappers have these TMZ clips where they're just like calling a busboy a piece of shit in a oh, restaurant yeah. because the pizza came out five degrees too cool. Yeah, like, that's a bad idea because y your audience is way closer to the guy working in the pizza shop yeah. than they are you. You yes, know, so yeah. it's like unless you're like extremely charming and, and, and nice, to, like the people want to support you then that is always going to be a bad idea. My mom always told me, and a lot of people have told me that their parents told them this too, is that you judge a person by how they treat somebody who can't do anything for them. Yeah. So when you fucking deal with that waitress, yeah. and the waitress is you know having a hard day or whatever, it's like you're not mean to her, you don't pick on her. Yeah. If the waitress fucks something up, you just yeah. do everything you can to make a fucking person working a job that is essentially at like the bottom of society, yeah. do what you can to make them have an easier life. Because yeah. chances are that if you're in a position to be going out and having a fucking $200 steak or whatever that you, you are in a very different position than yeah. her. Right. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, we went to, when we were doing the homeless in Oakland thing, we went to an Oakland A's game as part of that video and fucked around and got footage. We were pulling in for parking and there was a security guard who was collecting our 20 bucks for parking. Right. And I mentioned offhand, I was like, yeah, let me grab some cash. We've been giving it to bums all day, dude. And he heard that and he's like, you know what, man, I'm not even going to charge you then. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome that you guys are doing that. Well, and then I was like, you know what? Give me $20. Here, stick this in your pocket. Not for parking. This is for you personally. Because I remembered when I was a security guard in San Francisco frisking people before a Dave Matthews concert mm. and how most of them treated me like complete shit and complained because I was frisking too slow really? or I took their joint away or I took their knife that they were going to walk into a 50,000 person event with. But that's an interesting dilemma right there because it's like on one, like we've all been in that position of basically having a security guard fuck with you in a way that you thought was not necessary, you know, yeah. whether it's like, oh, no reentry at this concert. Yeah. You, you know, you're not allowed to walk outside and smoke a fucking cigarette or they're taking, a, you know, they're taking an eighth of weed out away from you on the way into the concert. And you're just like, bro, like, yeah. fucking just let it go. But I mean, they're not doing their job if they just let it go for yeah. everybody, you know, yeah. and that, that is a tricky situation. I mean, how many times in my life have I been angry at a security guard? Yeah. Never mind, said something rude to a security yeah. guard who realistically didn't even want to be doing this job in the first place yeah. and you know that, that, that's a tricky one yeah and if he loses his job if his manager sees yeah. him not card one of the girls and the crew you're rolling in with right and he loses his job i mean it might be a month before he can get another job and who knows i mean a lot of security guards a lot of people working those jobs have families you know who i feel extreme empathy for is anyone who's a security guard at like a hollywood club it's rough because it's nonstop and i used to be one of these people of just people just trying to convince you that, that they're important yeah or that they know someone who's in there or whatever and it's just like to the security guard it's like they have the ultimate defenses up of i don't give a fuck like show me yeah like like give me proof don't just tell me that you know a guy who's in there whatever yeah. but imagine just waking up every day going to work knowing that you're going to be standing outside a building and you're going to have these entitled little fucking cocaine fueled pricks yeah 
pitching their case about why they should let you in. I yeah. mean, I, I feel mega empathy for those guys. And I think that's part of my problem yeah. because whenever I've been in, like a lot of times I've been in a situation where I'm with people and there's a club and we could get into the club and it's like, they're telling me, tell them that you're Adam from No Jumper and yeah. they'll let us into the club. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. Like that just seems so cringy. Yeah. I don't want to do it. It seems like a pretty good chance that this guy doesn't even know what fucking No Jumper is. I'm mm -hmm. going to look like an asshole. Yeah. But people always want me to try to do that. Uh -huh. Not always, but this has happened uh -huh. a few times in the past, which is it's a weird feeling. It, it pay for shit. I used to be a bouncer who handled people, entitled people trying to get into clubs. <clears throat> I guess I did work at a club. Don't feel too sorry for them because that's actually a really good gig. Really? Working any kind of security at a club. I mean, if you're guarding a warehouse at 3 a.m., that job sucks. Well, security jobs are actually not that bad. You could listen to an audio book. You could listen to tunes. You could just be on your phone. Well, you got a fucking headphone in? Yeah, you can do that. But when you're bouncing, I don't think there's any time in my life where I got more ass outside of college really? than when I was working door oh, I at a that. hot bar. Damn. I mean, you could... I worked a job where my security manager was a super cool guy too, and he would give me like, "Yeah, you can you can take this chick into this alcove for fifteen minutes and finger her while I check IDs. Go you have can some fun. Finger a girl on the job. You can do it, dude. If wow. I mean, if you have a good relationship with your higher ups, it's an interesting thing though because it's like you know you're going to the club, and obviously the people who are like the kings of the club, the people who have the most power, are the guys with the sections and the you know the maybe even the, the promoters, the guys who have the bottles, etc. Yes. So then, meanwhile, as a security guard. You, you possess no clout in the sense that the fucking guys who are standing on the couch in there do, but you are very much an important element of even getting into this club. Yes. You're in a position of authority. Yes. You do have like some of the, the, the attributes that girls are attracted to yes. without necessarily. And I think that being kind of anonymous in that situation, it, it gives you like some power too, yes. right? Because it's like you're just not as controversial as like the other figures that these girls might be talking to, right? Totally. You, you agree. don't know all the other guys in the club, yeah. realistically, you know? Totally agree with what you're saying. You're the like the king of, I mean, you have say who gets in, who doesn't, who has a bottle, if they have the best table. But maybe even more importantly than that, you're the only guy in the building who's not actively trying to fuck girls. Yeah, and you're probably the most sober person in the building as well. Absolutely. Which, huge separator. Yeah. Yeah. Huge separator. When you're too cool for school, like you're like, yeah. whatever, I'm just doing my job. I don't care if your cleavage is hanging out. I don't care if you're a fucking smoking hot 10 out of 10. All right. Just walk past me, pay your cover you're in. Girls like that. Yeah. And it's a weird trick that just it fucks with people's mammalian brains. Like so that. that's the, the act that you put on when you're a security guard is basically like the I'm not trying to fuck you act. Don't even make eye contact with them. Just treat them like you don't really give a shit. And fucking 30 minutes later, my Ford Fusion 2006 got their knickers down. Wow. I would personally probably, knowing what I know now, I'd probably get the phone number and meet up with them later and not bang them in the car. <laughs> That's what I did. That's just me. Um, okay. One thing that we touched on, that we discussed in terms of like what we're going to do on here. Because the people yeah. at home might be thinking, ah, this seems kind of random. You guys are just talking about God knows what. You're talking about poor and meeting girls in cars, whatever. I do think that we should have more topics outlined in the future. I think that this this was very much like a preliminary episode. So we, sure. we kind of went out of our way to not really like think of some grand theme that we were going to discuss yeah. or whatever. But I also think that comedy the comedy world yeah is something that i think me and you want to kind of flirt with on yeah. this podcast now like obviously i do a podcast some people might say i'm objectively kind of funny sometimes on the podcast but i'm definitely not putting myself in the comedian or comic 
spot you you're even more in that space since you're obviously making videos that are kind of like intended to just be funny and everything you've you're, done stand up you're a comedic talent though you're definitely a very comedic podcast you're a great podcaster I appreciate that. yeah Thank you're you. a great podcast i don't know if i would agree but i uh, but like the idea like that we could dabble in that i think is fun obviously yeah. we just slandered bobby lee maybe that could be part of it i didn't mean to attend i called slander. him a great comic no yeah i think he's, he's, he's funny too i was just more just like fascinated by him but i do think that in terms of like us doing some episodes with some comics and sort of like talking to them you know using their energy etc it could be really interesting and that that's like i mean tell me if i'm wrong i see you as being somebody who's kind of in the comedy world but you don't you're not fully in that yeah. world and like you are interested in sort of getting more into it yeah and i feel like this podcast maybe could and, and i'm in the same boat like when i was doing flagrant and i was doing ryan long's podcast out in new york and everything i was kind of like thinking i'm like oh this is like its own world it would be yeah. cool to do more episodes and maybe not necessarily have to put it into the no jumper interview sure. box you know i mean you could do the same basic thing you've done with hip-hop with comedians mm. and interview comedians and i love it too because I agree that I'm a comedian, but it's a different thing I'm doing. Like, mm. what what I'm doing, I'm completely content with. I don't really have aspirations of stand-up anymore. Oh, really? I love stand-up. Like, I've been making an effort recently to go to the comedy store, to go to the Laugh Factory, to catch live acts, and I watch a, a shitload of it. But I can look at it objectively and without any, like, jealousy right. because I'm not rubbing shoulders with any of these guys competing for stage time. Right. I'm, I love what I do. I love doing comedy out in the world at 10 a.m. in Kansas. Yeah. But so, like, you and I both have this real curiosity about what's going on in the scene from the outside. Uh, yeah. Part of I've said this many times on here, but part of what I don't get about comedy or, you know, stand-up is just that when I look at – like look at the guys some guys who have podcasts they get you know 100,000 views a couple hundred thousand views on their podcast and then they go do stand up for like 50 people and i understand that like this is meant you know your overall stand up career you're going to perform for a shitload of people and maybe you have opportunities where you can make content out of this and stuff but i don't know like to me it just feels like you're you're putting in way more work to do something for a way smaller audience yeah. whereas podcasting is like no work and a way bigger audience. Agreed. Me, the, me judging it on those metrics, doing stand-up seems like, you know, and, and I respect the fuck out of people who are passionate about it, but it just doesn't make sense to me of why I would want to do it. Yes, totally agree. I love the idea that I can work my ass off for a couple of weeks to come up with the idea for a video, go shoot that video using all my comedic technique and all the work I've done studying comedy uh. comes out in it, edit it perfectly, tie the ribbon on it, put it out, my gift to the audience, and boom, hundreds of thousands of views. Right. I love that. And I couldn't imagine putting in all this work to entertain a couple bitter comedians in an open mic right. and maybe like two or three people who were actually sincerely there. Yeah. The one thing about stand-up, though, that I think um, is why so many people do it is because if you do have a name, the money is insane. Yeah. I mean, guys that you're talking about, Shoals, yeah. Tim Dillon, Ryan Long, I mean, the ticket sales, if you think about it, if you fill up a club and people are paying uh, 50 bucks a head to get in, plus all that drink revenue. How many people were at the Ryan Long show that you went to in San Diego? He did, I think, four shows over the weekend, okay. and, it, and the one show we went to was sold out. How many people? A couple hundred? Probably 200 people. And, oh, and each of those people are paying like 40 bucks. Right. And if, if you're a level above Ryan, and, and I, I love Ryan, he's killing it. But if you're somebody like Tim Dillon, who's selling out like an entire fucking theater. Yeah. I mean, that, that money is probably closer to 100 grand for oh. one weekend. Yeah. Whereas Ryan, I'm sure Ryan clears like 20 grand a weekend, which is incredible. It's That's still great. Right. Yeah. No, I was watching Bert, Bert Kreischer. Yeah. Kreischer? 
Kreishner? I think it's Kreischer, but I was watching him on this one podcast and he was talking about how being on the road so much keeps him away from his kids and shit and yeah. starts crying mid podcast. Yeah. Really pulled at the heartstrings, man. But that too made me really like think about the fact of like, holy shit, I am lucky as fuck yeah. that I have a job where I don't have that constant pressure to be on the road. Because yeah. people in bands and rappers, whatever, they kind of have the same thing. Yeah. For me, I feel guilty as shit when I'm like just going to work five days in a row and I only get to see my kid for a couple hours in the yeah. morning and then all of a sudden she's asleep by the time I get home. I feel like shit about yeah. that. That makes me really feel like fuck, like I need to be careful with my time. I'm not maybe I'm not spending enough time with my kids. But if I had like to go on the road for two, three weeks in order to make a living, like holy shit, I don't know if I could handle it. Yeah. I might just get a different career based on that alone. And that's something that I have to deal with because when we shoot, I mean like we were just up in Oakland, Berkeley area from Wednesday night until noon yesterday right and i just slept all yesterday because we slept in a parking garage the night before right so but you being there for four four or five days how many videos do you get out two of videos two videos well, that's pretty good it's it's still nice i get a weekend off next weekend which i cherish so much right. but that's one of the reasons why i am not even thinking about kids right now because i am on the road a lot right. and i am such a workaholic which is it's i mean dude we're so fucking lucky that we yeah. do what we absolutely love i mean you checking your phone when you're on the beach with your girl in malibu <laughs> is like not a good thing but it's sort yeah. of a great thing because that's how much you love what you do but i think you need to be able to have that balance like i remember when i was talking to ti on the podcast and ti said I'm like, or, or was it Ti? Fuck, it might have been Ti. But I was like talking to him about traveling, and I was basically like, "Do you feel like when you're on the road and you're in Hawaii or whatever, like, do you feel like that's like a big? It's taking away from your business?" And he's basically like, "Bro, like, I'm I'm on the beach in Hawaii and I'm on my fucking phone, doing phone calls and 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 meetings and sending emails and stuff like that because." I'm not going to just allow myself to take a real break from my fucking job yeah. for a week straight. And I feel the same way. It's like, even if I go on vacation for a week straight, I mean, my emails are attended to. I'm fucking, I probably filmed a shitload of podcasts before I left yeah. so that the fans wouldn't necessarily notice my absence. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, even if you're on the beach with your kids, you're going to walk away and take a phone call for 15 minutes because you got some shit in motion. I mean, it is what it is. Like, yeah. I feel like I have to be able to do a combo dad slash work. Yeah act you're doing a great job scaling too like i love that you have a bunch of other podcasts operating under your umbrella now and i i look at you and uh, it's inspiring because i know that i have to be better about shooting things in bulk so i can take vacations about delegating right uh, like, so it's it's nice to have you in my life who can be a role model on those sorts of things i well, appreciate that yeah having having this machine operating around us is fucking bizarre because it's like when i look at why i started no jumper and what i expected this is so far beyond anything that I really could have thought of. You never fantasized about having something this big, though? No, because I had to get successful on my own before I could even begin to think about bringing other people onto the platform, right? Uh -huh. And sometimes I'm like, how, how did I convince these people to, to yeah. be on this platform? Yeah. Now that we have this space, it seems like it makes a little bit more sense. But when we were in that last space, yeah. I was like, you know, I had meetings kind of like, I, there's like a girl that I was thinking of hiring to do the podcast, like, you know, start something with her. And I, I'm just like, I can't bring her to the other spot. Like, I got to bring her to the new spot. Like, I need I need her to see the future, the yeah. vision of, like, what yeah. we're building here, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the reason I'm asking is about whether or not you saw this in the future is because something that I work on a lot is I have to picture where I'm going to in order to believe it. Right. Be I'm, like, really big on that. It's like, some of the hocus-pocus, like, mystical stuff of visualization. And I think that's something that's great about moving to L.A. and doing 
our craft out here is we see people who have made it already. Right. Like y- me seeing you reminds me that it's possible. And I think for a lot of people who are in their hometown in Toledo, Ohio, it's hard for them to be successful because all their friends are fucking losers. Yeah. Their family are losers. And if you don't believe it's possible for you to not be a loser, you're going to stay a loser. Meanwhile, you see people all the time out here who like get a job working under a podcaster or working under a comic or whatever. And then at some point, they're able to just sort of break off and do it on their own because they've had this sort of up close yeah. personal yeah. education on how this all works. Yeah. And it's like once you have that, that is a big, big percentage of what you need. Yeah. So where do you want to go from here? In terms of sludge lords. Yeah. Or no jumper. It, no everything. Let's like, talk sludge lords because no jumper. It's like we're just going to keep building podcasts and hopefully do podcasts that are outside of rap and like touch on all kinds of different stuff and just make a lot more content in general. So like no jumper is more open ended in terms of this one right here. Um, I don't know. I think that like we could just have really good conversations each week. I one thing that I really want to do is I would like the idea of us like choosing something that we're gonna watch or review whether it's an album or a fucking uh, a movie or whatever it's one thing that i've always tried to get ad and house phone to do it's yeah. like pulling teeth uh, no matter yeah. what it is and no matter how entertaining it is and how much of it wouldn't seem like a sacrifice like yeah. the andrew schultz special i fucking sent it to him i'm like it, it cost 15 bucks but just watch it so we could talk about it they show up and they didn't watch it yeah it's like it's just like no effort so for me I would love to do a podcast where we could kind of like really pick things out that we want to talk about in advance and like try to get educated about those things. And then in terms of guests and everything, I think, you know, let's just like be on the lookout for good opportunities because it's like, you know, it would be super easy to be like, hey, Brennan Schaub, give us a juicy, gossipy fucking episode right out the gate or whatever. But I don't know. I want to approach the comedy world with respect. Yeah. You know, and like not just try to like dive right into like, oh, let's talk about whatever drama they're talking about right sure. now, you know? Sure. Yeah, I love that, man. I mean, yeah. part of my daily routine is watching comedy specials right. or old comedy or, or reading books on comedy. So that's no problem to me. See, I would like I would like to do that. I would like us to be like, hey, here's a book. We're gonna read this fucking book yeah. over the course of the next week and then we're gonna yeah. talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Do it in a way where it's not like super patronizing oh, to no, the audience. Yeah. Like um because we can't expect everybody in the audience to have time to read a book. But I mean, if you and I read something by Tim Ferriss or some sort of business book mm. and just in a relatable way related what we learned, I mean, I'm sure people would find value in that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe, especially with them, like if we were to fucking on here talk, like once we get the ball rolling and everything, if we were to like end the podcast saying, okay, we're going to watch this documentary and then we're going to talk about it next week and sure. the fans could all, yeah. you know, maybe it's something kind of obscure that they're not necessarily going to watch on their own. That would be fun. Yeah. And all things are fair game, all kinds of topics, mm-hmm. um, politics, conspiracy theories. Politics is one thing I'm excited to get into too. I know yeah. we just kind of like framed it as if it's going to be a lot of comedy type stuff, but I think, yeah, politics talking like dude i i think sometimes it's easy for people to forget that like the election is a mere two years away yeah. and that is going to be just it's the most insane amount of shit to talk about yeah and if you kind of like haven't positioned yourself to talk about these topics then you're going to be sort of left out so I'm, I, I'm interested in that as well yeah absolutely and us talking about politics i mean it's going to be like bro politics i yeah. mean neither of us I went to college, but it was a fucking joke. I mean, right. I, I was trying to get laid, and I was getting blacked out. So, And I was taking the easiest history classes there. Right. But, um, yeah, no, I've definitely gotten more into politics recently, and especially here in California. I mean, that directly affects the quality of our life. That's true. I mean, yeah. We have the mayor election coming up, and, I mean, that means 
uh, LA hasn't been moving in a great direction recently. This is what I hear. And man, I was just in New York and I'm like having conversations with, you know, friends of mine who are in Brooklyn and they're, you know, 30s and 40s and stuff like that. And I'm asking them about crime. And it's like, these are dudes who my whole life, I never would have expected to hear them say anything like pro police yeah. or, or anti, uh, you know, young people having a good time or whatever. And it's like, they talk about it like it's such a state of emergency yes that there's the crime is so bad and i mean even when i talk to people who have stores on melrose they tell me the same exact thing it's oh, like yeah. yeah it's 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 scary because the cops just like the cops are scared of of busting people yeah. because they feel like they're going to be accused of being racist it's yeah. almost hard for me to believe that that's an actual dynamic when people are committing crimes yeah. on the street this tourist destination that i i don't know i mean I, i've heard a lot of weird stuff about that and but that's the question is like Okay, do they throw like 100,000 people in prison and then everything's okay? I think if – so I did a, a video on the district attorney up in San Francisco. Right. We did our 4th of July special. And one of the things that we found is that there were no real consequences for committing any crime up to like murder. I mean obviously if you kill somebody up there, you're still going to prison. But right. I mean you can go into the grocery store, steal your entire load of groceries for the week – Stroll through Gucci, grab a couple outfits for the night out, and then maybe try a carjacking on the way home, too. Right. And what the DA was saying was that, you know, the, the police aren't making the arrest. It's their fault. They're not making arrests. And this guy was far left, really soft on crime, like an insane person. He got mm -hmm. recalled, thankfully. Who was it? Kessa uh, Bonin. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah. But guy. then you interview the police, and this one reporter does a ride-along with the police. And within 30 minutes of them starting their ride-along, they catch a guy who's breaking into a car, and he's got – two prior car burglaries on his record, plus like an armed robbery and a drug charge. So what does that prove? It's not the problem with the police making the arrests. There's a problem with consequences. Yeah. Nobody is afraid of being punished for their crimes, and therefore they're going to steal versus getting a minimum wage job somewhere and working their way up. Just hearing you say that and describe that scenario of committing crimes makes me want to commit crimes because it's yeah. like, oh, shit, I could just get away with that. Like when I think about how like when I was a young criminal, like I was planning pretty in in like intricately, like I really had like when I was out shoplifting and stuff, yeah. you know, I had like real fear of the consequences. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And now, like, my only – I know as, like, a white dude I could walk into any store in the city and just not pay for fucking anything. Like, I don't even need to pay for my groceries. But the thing is, like, your self-respect is what's important. Right. And just like we were talking about needing role models, you need to respect yourself. And a life of crime is just a life of misery and poverty, no yeah. matter how expensive the thing you stole is. It's not sustainable. Yeah. But, yeah, it all comes down to consequences. But maybe dude. it is sustainable if everybody's just going to let you get away with it for the rest of your life. I, I, I fucking – I guess so. Like, I mean, it seems like that, but – Hopefully, and something changes here in California, dude. I guess. Okay. I think we've uh, we're, we're over an hour, right? Yeah, we're like hour fifteen, hour twenty. That went quick, dude. Yeah. That was good. Okay, we breezed past our hour limit, but let's just try. We'll we'll stay in the realm of that for the people, and let us know what you guys think. We're gonna throw up a. We'll have a, a Twitter and Instagram, and I guess should we do a Reddit right away? Yeah, we probably oh. should. If, if we don't do a Reddit, then they're going to do it for us. I have PTSDs about Reddits. Yeah, PTSD. your, your Reddit gives you headaches? I haven't looked at it in like a couple of years, but yeah, dude, like just everybody on my Reddit hates me. My Reddit is insanely negative, and I still love it. Nice. I take it all. I got to change stride. my attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they think you don't like it, they're going to go harder on you. But the That's fact true. that they know that I'm laughing at it, yeah. I feel like that, you know. Yeah. Okay. Danny Mullen. Sledge Lords. Sledge Lords. Number one.
number episode two. number one. Yep, number two next week. Thursday, the podcast is number one. And I was like, fuck yeah. Oh, it probably is. Some confidence. Yeah. Number two next week. Let's do it, dude. Let's see what the market is. Does anyone want to hear from us? I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. Sledge Lords. Sledge Lords.